Please turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to our sermon text for this morning, which is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And before we read that, let's pray together. Our Father, we we know how much we need you. We need to come out of ourselves to you, and we need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your kindness and care, and I pray, Father, that you would be with us right now, that you would uphold us right now, that you would speak through me, give me words to say that will speak truth from your word and build up your people and give all of us ears to hear that we would hear these truths, that we would believe them and receive them and draw near to you in light of them. Father, we pray that you would be at work by your spirit in and through us to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Genesis chapter 2, uh, the first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work, that he had done in creation. Well, the science has been clear for years. We need rest. I'm not so sure that every age has been as overworked as ours is. Uh, but there have been numerous studies over the past several years about the danger of overworking and undersleeping. Those dangers range from everything between irritability to reduced productivity to death. It's a wide range and a long list. Now, that's not the, the not so surprising find from all of these studies is that we need rest. And it's not so surprising because of course, God said it some 3,500 years ago, we need rest. And we serve a God who delights to give us that rest. We find in Genesis that God designed the world with our rest in mind. This day of rest is a gift of God's grace. We come to the seventh day of the creation uh, this week, and we've seen so far that God created the world by his word and spirit. He ordered all things to give and sustain life. He created humanity after his image to continue his filling and forming and ruling work. But if day six is a kind of climax to God's work of creation with the creation of humanity, day seven is really the, the ultimate climax, or, or technically maybe it's the denouement. It's the part of the story where the fruits of one's labor is finally enjoyed in peace. And to get into this seventh day, we're going to look at 
seven things. We're going to look at consecration, cessation, completion, coronation, celebration, convocation, and continuation. I think that order is a little bit different. There, there are two that are flipped from the outline that's in the bulletin, but it's consecration, cessation, completion, coronation, celebration, convocation, and continuation. So those seven things. Now, let me say uh, before we even start that I need to hear this message. Uh, I, I need to hear the message this morning desperately, right? So desperately, I can feel myself a little bit oozing with hypocrisy as I step up to talk about our need for rest. And so I, I'm just going to preach to myself this morning, and I'm going to let you guys listen in as I remind myself of God's design for our rest. First, consecration. We rest because God rested. Christianity in America has had such an interesting relationship to the Sabbath. Uh, early on, there were blue laws that, that made many activities on Sundays illegal. One was to strictly observe the Sabbath, devoting the whole day uh, to worship. And how much has changed, right? Now the most popular activities on Sunday are sleeping in and hanging out. Uh, maybe reading the Sunday paper or at least the Sunday comics, although I guess those two things as well are going by the wayside. And of course, watching Sunday afternoon sports. Uh, now, some are, are pushing back. Uh, Judith Shulovitz in 2003 wrote an article in the New York Times called Bring Back the Sabbath. And others advocate a kind of uh, a so-called secular Sabbath because of its psychological and physiological benefits. But we do not need to guess and ponder and wonder if this is a good idea. And we don't need the research and we shouldn't need to be convinced. We celebrate the Sabbath because that is the very reason for which God created a seventh day. As, it, as Jesus said in Mark 2.27, and I'll, I'll repeat, or we should be thinking of continually as we walk through the Sabbath day, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. And sometimes in Christian circles, we debate whether observing one day of rest in seven is obligatory. Are we required to rest on the Lord's day? Uh, though I think that's maybe the wrong question, but, but the, does the coming of Jesus change that? Aren't we free from the Mosaic law? And throughout my Christian life, I've, I've asked that question from time to time, and, and here is what I have realized. The answer is right here in our text. You do not need the Mosaic law to see the necessity of remembering the Sabbath. It is right here in our text in verse 3. Verse 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now, if that doesn't strike you, it's probably be because we misunderstand holiness. God took a day and set it apart. He said from the beginning, this day is not like other days. He made the Sabbath, as Jesus said. So the Sabbath day is holy. It doesn't matter what you think, right? It, it is holy. It doesn't matter uh, what you think about the Mosaic law, right? This isn't the Mosaic law. This is creation. At creation, God declared one day in seven 
holy. Now, again, that, that doesn't strike many of us because we, we don't really believe in holiness. We, we don't believe that things can be holy. But notice, th this is actually the first mention of holiness in Scripture. And, and what is holy, what is made holy by God is a day. This day is set apart by God from creation. It's not like other days. It's, it's not a day of work, but a day of rest. That is what God made it to be. The fourth commandment, when we get to the, the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, the fourth commandment simply reminds Israel of that fact. We rest because God rested and consecrated, set apart, made holy this day. Now, one writer noted that God subdues space, but he sanctifies time. And we are called to do the same. We, we subdue the earth six days of the week, but on the seventh day, we sanctify this day. We set it apart. Right? Time is, is a little bit different from space, isn't it? You, you, you can subdue space like you can subdue a horse, right? You can manipulate things to get them to do what you want them to do, but not so with time. We don't ride time like a horse. We ride it like a bull, right? It, it continues on whether we want it to or not. Now, all we can do is hold on for the ride. It, it moves forward relentlessly. We can't subdue it, but we can sanctify it. We can set it apart as God sanctified this day. So first, consecration. We rest because God rested. Second, cessation. We rest to be refreshed. Uh, look again at verses one and two. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. I, I do want to mention uh, that th these, these two verses in particular, verse two and verse three, are really tightly uh, put together. In fact, you know, as you can see in your English Bible, a few verses before verse 27 is set apart as poetry. A few verses uh, after are set apart. Uh, verse 4 is, is set apart as poetry. Really, these verses should be as well because uh, verses 2 and 3, uh, well, consist of three lines. There's a fourth at the end of verse 3, but consist of three lines, each of seven words, in which the phrase, the seventh day, is repeated three times, right? So there's this very tight, tight structure to these three verses, which make it a really beautiful poem to, to God's Sabbath rest. And, and what it's saying, the end of verse two, is that on this seventh day, God rested. Now, if we look closely at what has gone on throughout the cre creation week, we realize that God has actually been setting a pattern of work and rest throughout. Uh, the phrase evening and morning is found at the end of the creation days, and that has, has often puzzled people, right? Why evening and morning? Uh, you know, morning comes before evening in the day, right? So we have morning and then we have evening, but that's not what it says. It says there was evening and there was morning, the first, the second, the third of the day, so, and so on. And, and the best answer that I've seen is this, what happens between evening and morning. Not work, but sleep. And sleep refreshes you for the next day's work, right? So Psalm 104 says, man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. And the picture that we are given here in Genesis 1 is a picture of God working, 
God saying, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. And then night comes, there was evening. So God, quote, goes home as it were and rests until morning when he goes out for the next day's work. And, and right, it's, it's an analogy. And that analogy is actually made explicit in Exodus, Exodus 28 through 11, uh, which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, God worked, and so we are to work. God rested, and so we are to rest. And, and now, uh, is our work the same as God's work? Well, well, obviously not, right? It, uh, God created out of nothing. We don't create out of nothing, but our work is analogous to God's work. Is, is our rest the same as God's rest? Well, no, again, right? We, we, need, to re- we need rest because our bodies tire. Uh, God needs no rest. He chooses to rest as an example for us. Again, our, our rest is analogous, but not the same as God's rest. Well, in the same way that the pattern God actually sets in Genesis 1 is this. He get up and work, go home and sleep, get up and work, go home and sleep, get up and work, go home and sleep, get up and work, go home and sleep six times. And then on the seventh, get up and rest. I point this out because it's helpful to see right here in the creation account that there is actually a daily rest. There's the evening and the morning. There's a daily rest that is then followed by weekly rest. And that daily rest, right, a good night's sleep is actually just as important as the weekly. Uh, Psalm 127 says God gives to his children sleep. But whether we are talking about daily or weekly rest, what is the point of it? What is the goal of that rest? Again, God tells us explicitly in two passages, Exodus 31, verse 17, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Now, we're at analogy again, right? This is, this is what we call anthropomorphic language. Does God need to be refreshed the way that we need to be refreshed? Well, no, right? Not at all. But he is setting a pattern for us. Remember, the Sabbath was made for man. God rests in order to set this pattern. Now, Exodus doesn't uh, just leave us to infer that that we are to be refreshed in the same way in our rest. Exodus chapter 23, verse 12 says, Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. What is the goal of rest? It's to be refreshed. We are human beings. We are weak and frail. We tire and grow weary. We need times of refreshing. We can't just work endlessly and think that we won't have any problems. We are not God. We need rest so that we might be refreshed. The sanctifying of one day in seven is a gift from God that we would be refreshed and not work ourselves into an early grave. And all the scientific studies being done nowadays about overwork and sleep deprivation, they just prove that God's design is right and that his gift is necessary. We need rest. Now, the truth is ceasing from our work in order to rest is not easy. This was recognized by Judith Shulevitz in her New York Times article. She said, uh, most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to stop working is not work. The inventors of the Sabbath, 
she says. Remember, she, she's not a Christian woman, by the way. She says the inventors of the Sabbath understood that it was a much more complicated undertaking. You cannot downshift casually and easily the way you might slip into bed at the end of a long day. She goes on, the rules, that is the rules about Sabbath observance in strict Jewish or Puritan communities, that's what she's talking about. She says the rules did not exist to torture the faithful. They were meant to communicate the insight that interrupting the ceaseless round of striving requires a surprisingly strenuous act of will, one that has to be bolstered by habit as well as by social sanction. In other words, rest is hard work which is one of the reasons we don't do it. It's easier to keep working than it is to rest. Preparing for the day, scheduling around it, completing your work from the previous week so that you're not under the gun on Sunday, surrounding yourself with people who will encourage rest. All of these things are not easy, but they are what is necessary in order to truly rest. And of course, it's even more complicated if you have children. And so my point here is not to, to guilt you if you're a busy mom or a hardworking dad. I understand how hard that is. I truly sympathize. In fact, quite to the contrary, we as a community should come around one another and creatively enable rest to happen. And yet the, the basic point is, if you want rest, you're going to have to work for it. You, you have to be intentional. It won't just happen, not in this age anyway. And so one, consecration, we rest because God rested. Two, cessation, we, we rest to be refreshed. We stop in order to be refreshed. Three, completion, we rest because God worked. The American myth is if I work enough, eventually I will get to a place where I can rest. Uh, maybe that is re retirement, right? Maybe, maybe that's something sooner. I was reading or watching something about New York City recently and the myth of overwork. And the person realized the, the, the more you overwork, the more that becomes a part of you and you never get out of that trap. See, we have this idea that, that I will work, I'll finish my work and then I'll rest. But it just never seems to come, does it? There's always more work to do. But God was able to rest. Why did he rest? Well, again, verses one and two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, one writer points out that God's rest was the rest of achievement, not inactivity. And, and that writer's point was that though God ceased from his work of creating, God continued and continues to sustain and provide. Jesus says, my father is working until now, right? God continues to work. But I, I want to note the, the first part of what that writer said, which is God's rest was the rest of achievement. God finished his work. Now, the text tells us uh, that, but we also see it in, in the bookends of of Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 2-1 through 3, which repeats heaven and earth and the word create both in 1-1 and then again in chapter 2-1 through 3 uh, to tell us that this part of the story is complete. Right? So, so the writers brought us back to the beginning to show us that God's work of creation is done. And, and why is this important? Because rest does flow out of completed work, 
And we know that intrinsically, right? We, we think, well, if only I can finish this paper, if only I can finish this case, if, if only I can sweep this one more room, if only I can unpack this one more box, right? Then I can be done. But notice here that the, notice that the Sabbath rest does not come out of our completing our work, but God completing his. He works, he creates, he finishes, and we get to rest. He sets aside a weekly holiday, a, a weekly day of refreshment, because he had finished his work. And really, it couldn't be any other way, right? One of the reasons that we overwork is that we look to our work for significance or safety or satisfaction. If only I do a little more, I'll be somebody. Or if only I make a little more, I'll be protected from economic downturn. Or if I finish this job, this task, I'll feel good about myself and my work. But of course, that kind of significance and safety and satisfaction never lasts. We find ourselves right back out there continuing our restless activity. How can we find rest? Because of the one who worked for us. He completed his work and entered into his rest. See, Jesus, through his work, purchased a name for us with the Father. He brought us under the shelter of the Father's care. He opened the way for communion with the Father, the only thing in heaven or earth that can satisfy. So significance and safety and satisfaction are found not in our working, but in Jesus' completed work. Now, it's true that this passage, this, uh, that, that, that our, our work is dignified in this passage as well. Uh, it, it, the passage is not anti-work. The ordinary word for work actually is used, again, three times in uh, the three lines that I talked about. Three times, or at least in, in verses two and three, to speak of God's extraordinary work of creation. The ordinary word for work used to talk about God's extraordinary work of creation. Again, dignifying human work as godlike, as divine. But our, our taking time to rest reminds us that even when our to-do lists remain undone and our inboxes are unemptied and our desk is piled high, our act of resting reminds us that God has completed his work. God completed his work of creation in six days. God completed his work of redemption through the cross. God will complete the work that he began in us, Philippians 1.6. Since God completes his work, we can rest. And so we have one consecration. We rest because God rested. Set apart that day as holy. Cessation, we rest. We stop from our work to be refreshed. Three, completion, we rest because God worked and completed his work, and completes his work, and so we rest in his finished work of creation, redemption, and sanctification, and all the rest. For coronation, we rest because we are free. Now, I, I, I talked about coronation when, when I spoke on the Sabbath from Hebrews 4 uh, about a year ago, maybe a little uh, less than a year ago, and the idea comes in part from Isaiah 66, 1 through 2, uh, where Isaiah says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. That The place of God's rest is where? Well, it's heaven. Heaven is God's throne, and the earth is his footstool. And so once God completes his work, he can sit down as his were and put his feet up. And yet it's, it's not just his lazy boy, right? But his heaven is his throne. 
The seventh day rest becomes God's formal enthronement over the world that he made. But the Sabbath says something equally true and and maybe in some ways more profoundly true about us. Israel, before they received the Sabbath command, they were slaves in Egypt. But God brought them out. He made them kings. He made them a, a royal priesthood and he offered them rest. Think about it, right? Who who gets to rest on the Sabbath day, or who gets to rest? Period. Who gets to rest? You know, one of the most on the most mundane level, right? Who gets to stop their work? And not slaves, right? They have no right over their time. Not the poorest of the poor, right? They they need to keep working to provide ends meet. And so, who gets to rest? Uh, those in authority, those with the means, right? Those are the ones in any given society that, that actually get to rest and stop from their work. Well, what does God do? God first frees Israel from slavery, and then he gives them rest. Now that they are free, rest is a sign of freedom and status. And notice in Israel that the social equalizing nature of the Sabbath day. Who gets to rest on the Sabbath? Exodus 20, verse 10 says, You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant and your livestock and the sojourner who is within your gates. Exodus 23, verse 12 says, Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and alien may be refreshed. The fourth commandment in Deuteronomy repeats this twice as if it may be hard to believe. In Deuteronomy 5, uh, it says, on the seventh day, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, that's once, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Who gets to rest on the Sabbath? Everyone. Right. There is a dignity given to not just to all people, but to all creatures. Right. Not just not just the elite, not just the wealthy who can afford it, not just those in authority who can make others work for them. Right. But everyone, even the ox and the donkey, get to rest. No animal is so low that they are required to work seven days a week, according to God. Now, if you can't stop working, what does that say about you? Now, it may say that that in our current socioeconomic system, the, the socioeconomic system of this present age, you are you are still functionally a slave, right? And Paul, now Paul would speak into that in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, for who he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. That is, though you experience slavery in this life, if you belong to the Lord, you are truly free. Rest in that spiritual freedom. If you can get out, Paul says, great, but if not, you are still free in the Lord. And of course, this was the position of many people in the early church, which is likely why they held their worship services before the sun came up on Sunday morning, because they were there. So many of them were slaves. And so after worship, they had to go back to their homes and continue their work as servants. But if you can't stop working it might say that you spiritually are still a slave, right? You can't stop working because you won't stop working. You are enslaved to the significance, the safety, or the satisfaction that work and money bring. 
And until you find those things in Jesus, you will remain a slave, no matter how much money you have or how great your status becomes. And so rest becomes a demonstration of our freedom in the Lord, that we are not slaves in Christ, but we are kings and priests to serve our God. We, we are free. So consecration, we rest because God rested. Cessation, we rest to be refreshed. Completion, we rest because God worked. Coronation, we rest because we are free. Five, celebration, we rest to rejoice. Now, these last three are not so much in Genesis 2, but they flow out of Genesis 2. Point five is celebration. God has rested and sanctified the day of rest. What are we to do then in light of that when we rest? We are to celebrate the completed work of God. Our rest is to be a party. Our cessation is to be a celebration. Again, I, I talked about this in uh, the sermon on Hebrews 4, so I won't say much here, but God has been appreciating his work throughout the creation story, right? Six times God saw that his creation was good, and then on the seventh day that it was very good. God delighted in the work of his hands, and God's rest is the rest of satisfaction in his work. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I have at times gotten to the end of a long day and been exhausted and frustrated, and I feel like I got nothing done. And though I worked my fingers to the bones, it just, I, I didn't see any fruit from it. And, and my, my quote, rest at the end of the day held no satisfaction, much less celebration. It was just mere exhaustion. But this is not God's rest. His is the rest of celebration. We, we see it in, in the parables. Uh, the, the prodigal father throws a party for his sons. The, the good and faithful servant is invited into the joy of his master. The wise virgins enter into the wedding feast, right? God, God's design is not some ho-hum of a day, right? But a party, a celebration, a wedding feast, and ultimately an anticipation of a greater wedding feast to come. You know, the idea of, of holiday came from the language of holy day. And the Sabbath is the original and eternal holiday, the, the original and eternal holy day. So let's party, right? Let's rejoice in God's completed work. Let's enjoy and give thanks for our freedom. Now, again, our temptation is to, to, to direct that joy elsewhere, not in God and his completed work, but we, we, our temptation is to seek our joy in creation, to try to fill our lives with stuff. But the joy comes not in subduing stuff, but in sanctifying time. Uh, work is always an attempt to change things. And that's not bad, right? God calls us to fill and form and rule. But if we are working, we are working for change. Rest of necessity involves an act of acceptance. And hopefully not mere acceptance, but gratitude. Only when I stop trying to change things can I truly be thankful for what I have been given. Rest, ceasing from my work, is actually a prerequisite for gratitude. Ceasing from my work gives me the opportunity to express joyful dependence upon my Father for his work of creation and providence and redemption. Only when I stop my work can I rightly acknowledge, delight in, and celebrate God's. So consecration, we rest because God rested, declared the day holy. Cessation, we rest to be refreshed. We stop from our work to be refreshed. Completion, we rest because God worked and completed his work. Coronation, we rest because we are free, right? God has been exalted as king, but he has also exalted us, brought us out of slavery, brought Israel out of slavery to 
Egypt uh, brought us out of slavery to sin. So we can now rest. Celebration, we rest to rejoice, to delight in the work that God has done, in the work of his hands. Sixth, convocation, we rest together. Setting aside time to set aside our work, to celebrate the completed work of Christ who brings us freedom is not a solitary endeavor. Our community makes it either easier or harder to actually rest. And if our society makes it more difficult, all the more we need others to help and support and encourage us in our desire to rest. And Leviticus 23 verse three makes this explicit. It says six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest a holy convocation. The Sabbath day is a day to gather. Now, we see this in Jesus' regular pattern, right? He, he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day regularly. We see it in Acts, where we see the church gather on the first day of the week to break bread. But again, uh, we, we, we could simply say, well, how could it be otherwise? We can't keep the Sabbath, or for that matter, keep the faith on our own and we were never intended to, right? The, the first not good thing in creation, as we'll, we, we will see, was not sin, but man alone. Human beings are social creatures by design, and our, our communities reinforce or disintegrate our beliefs and practices. Rest is a community project. Now, now, now let me say, in all seriousness, right, to, to the introverts out there, who are thinking that, that you can't get any rest when you're with people, right? I, I, I sympathize. I understand. I'm, I'm introverted. I like being alone and in my head. I've told Deborah that my ideal vacation is a book and a cup of coffee at Starbucks by myself. And, and, and I, I need some rest alone. That's okay. But, but we also need one another. It's not either or for anybody. Uh, we need to heed both uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, which says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you say, see the day drawing near. And both the example of Jesus in Mark 1, 35, where we're told and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place by himself, right? And there he prayed. And the encouragement of Jesus to his weary disciples in Mark 6.31, where he said, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. See, see we need community and quiet. And within 24 hours, right, in the Sabbath day, we, we should be able to get both. Again, maybe mothers of small children excluded. And can I just mention on that point, right, husbands, right, it's our jobs to seek to give our wives rest. And we won't always be able to do that, but we should do our best to make that happen whenever possible. And church, right, we should surround people and come alongside them to enable them to rest, especially on the Lord's day. So consecration, we rest because God rested Cessation, we rest to be refreshed. Completion, we rest because God worked. Coronation, we rest because we are free. Celebration, we rest to rejoice. Convocation, we rest together. And seventh and finally, continuation, we rest forever. Now, now I've been dancing around this idea a little bit, the idea that the, the Sabbath is the seventh day, but we celebrate on the first. And I've said that consecration means the day is holy, right? God made it holy. So that stands until God himself prospects profanes the day, uh, but, but we celebrate on the first day of the week. 
Why is that? That the reason is the resurrection. Right? The resurrection changes everything. And just as God completed his work of creation and sat down on his throne and rested on the seventh day, enjoying the fruit of his hand, so Jesus, in his resurrection on the first day of the week, completed his work, entering into a new creation, sitting down at the right hand of the Father to receive and enjoy the fullness of his work and the personal possession of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You see, the old Sabbath follows the first creation, but the Lord's day begins the new creation. But the principle, the basic principle of one in seven remains. We, we rest one day in seven to rejoice in the completed work of King Jesus. Now, what might surprise you is that we will do this forever. According to scripture, the Sabbath never ends. Isaiah 66, uh, verses 22 to 23 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so your offspring and your name remain from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Isaiah tells us that in the new heaven and the new earth, we will continue to celebrate the Sabbath. Now, some might choose to read that symbolically. I, I get that, right? There, there's lots of symbolism in Isaiah, and sometimes it's hard to know exactly what's going to have a literal fulfillment or what's going to have a, a, a fulfillment which we can't even imagine or understand. But, uh, but even if it is symbolic, it's not irrelevant. We will enjoy the Sabbath eternally. I believe still as one in seven, as we work and worship in the new creation, which means our work and worship now anticipates that which is to come. Now, let me say just, just two last things. One is, if you've heard what I've said about rest and you feel more burdened and not less uh, than, um, th than when you started this morning, than when we, we started this morning, that, that's probably my fault and not yours. And, and let us help you with that, right? Let, let's work together to help one another see that a day of rest is a blessing. And let's work together to figure out how to help one another to enjoy that rest and enjoy that rest in anticipation of the fullness of rest to come. It's always gonna be sort of sub-eschatological in the moment. It's always gonna be already and not yet. It's always gonna be partial and not full in this age. And yet we try to enjoy the rest, again, in anticipation of what is to come. Second, we must pray for one another. I know how hard it is to rest, to rest in Jesus' completed work, by, by resting one day in seven. I know how hard it is to set aside my work and simply enjoy the work of God's hands. If we are to know the blessing of the Sabbath, we must pray that God would bless us as we pursue rest in Jesus by resting in our labors. Let's pray for one another to that end. Let's start right now. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we, we need rest from you. We need rest in Jesus. We need rest from sin and its curse and death. We need, we need rest, rest from our work, rest from our labors. Father, we pray that you would uh, help us to enjoy uh, that rest on the Lord's day. Help us to be able to set aside our work so that we can find rest. We thank you for the gift that this day is, that the Sabbath was made for man. We pray that today, this day, beginning right now, would be a day of rest for us, that you would be glorified as we rest in Jesus by resting on this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.